cliffcentral.com. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Hey, welcome to the Futurology Show, guys. It's another week, and guess what? B2 here, Brett Lindsay, the digital philosopher, has actually made it on time. Yeah, with me in studio, the legends that uh, held down the uh, the fort last week. we got Mike Cowan. Hi there. Nice to see you again. B3, Brett Sinclair. Uh, Brett Sinclair, digital disruptor and squirrel rocker. Yes. So, guys, you know we've got a special guest in this uh, afternoon, right? Yeah. Just look to yeah. your left. Just a quick, quick, quick. Oh, yeah, I Karen see Karen Wallstra. Yeah. So Karen's yeah. a bit of a legend at Google. She runs all the education pieces, and it used to be South Africa. I believe it's now global. She's looking after Chrome, all these exciting things. So I must admit, I'm a bit of a Google fanboy these days. Um, Karen, welcome to the show. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Bye, Dan. Thank you, studio audience. Thank Hi, you. everyone. This is really exciting. We're going to share a bit about education and what's happening and think a bit about the future. Excellent, yes. So if you did miss all of the tweets and all of the messaging from Cliff Central, today we are talking the future of knowledge. The subtitle of that is, are we a smarter or wiser society and what is the impact on our careers? That's the topic. We're going to get into that pretty heavily. I think there's a lot of views in the room. Jeez, um, getting a bit nervous. Yeah, no, it's cool. I actually get goosebumps just thinking about it. It's not just the aircon, actually. There's, there's such a huge amount of change Happening at the moment, yeah, yes. uh, and it's not just things that we need to look or look for in like ten years time or five years time. There's stuff happening right now that affects what we should be doing from an education perspective, from a societal perspective, and we've got the social impact solutions, yeah. Mr. Michael Cowan, and yeah, you're going to tell us more about that as well. But yeah, you, you know, the problem with this subject is is it's it's you know it's like the seed subject almost to to what needs to happen. Because at the end of the day, it's people first, technology second. And how we learn and how we engage with the world is, is changing at such a rapid rate. And education is the, the bedrock to this entire system, our schooling God, for system. For a moment there, I thought you were going to say H2H. No, 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 no. Chlorine. No, H2H today. Humans to humans. We've done that subject. You know, this, this is just about people. You know, yeah. and, and, and human lives actually matter. Yes. Uh, in, uh, yeah. Hashtag, hashtag human hashtag, lives matter. <laughs> so, so they do, but, but it's, it's an incredibly fascinating subject, I think. And when you look at our education system, it comes out of the archangels of, uh, of the Middle East and, uh, well, the Middle Ages from, 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 from Europe and, and, and the industrial and, era, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we still have kids sitting in a classroom listening to the teacher totally. and we still got the challenges of scaling education and making sure that the Best content gets to the children, and 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 are we shaping them right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if it's a scale issue, Brett, because this is about structuring education in a world that is completely the different. Entire content you know, landscapes it, changed. In yeah. fact, I, I read something about it, and and since we started talking about this, I haven't actually stopped thinking about it. It's become a bit of an issue because my wife is keep keeps asking me, "What's wrong with me? Where am I?" I can uh, help her with that. You you can. <laughs> Let's leave our wives out of this conversation, Brett. Sounding like our WhatsApp chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Brett. Brett B one B two keeps muting himself in the WhatsApp chat. chat. Um, but but you know, it, it's it's almost like we're sitting in this world that, that um, you know, as, as software, you, you've got to keep running updates. And education mm. hasn't had an update. No. But I'm not too sure we know, know what we've got to update here. And that's why we need to talk to Karen here. She's no, got no, to tell exactly. us about the updates. So the, the next hour is all yours. Oh, that, that's going to be good. I <laughs> hope you help along boom. the way. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if you just think about how education hasn't changed, and I mean, that's that's really scary because of 
the environment we live in with all the apps, with all the technology. And I think schools themselves are confused. Like, where do we start? What kind of tech should we use? What do we need? And then your main question was, so what do we actually teach the children? Yeah. And and what studies are showing is that we actually don't need so much knowledge in terms of content because that's out there. What we need to know is how do we actually analyze that? How do we know which is the most accurate website? How do we actually mm. know what is the best kind of situation or, or um, solution to a problem within that space? And so it's, it's how do we teach the children to think? Yeah, and and I think we're not doing enough of that. There's so many influences on children not thinking, and I, I'm going to blame Google on the instant access to knowledge right now. Yeah, you don't have to think. So I agree with you on the mark. How do we teach them to think differently? I've spent a lot of time mm. in the business space going, guys, think differently. It's it's the value of information though as well. I I've got a, a thing that I heard actually was a comedian that said it and it was the time between not knowing something and knowing something these days is so short because we've got things yeah. like Google and this collaborative global knowledge. Um that we just we Doesn't don't really... sound like a funny comedian. No, no, so he had it a lot more funny. Oh, it, was, okay. it was really cool. It was like trying to explain to his grandparents how the internet works and that's always a funny story. Um the silver surfers out there are always in despair. Um but yeah, the the fact that society's placed less and less knowledge uh, value on on information and knowledge, um we've almost come to expect it. And we're so result driven when it comes to learning that we kind of like, oh, I'll just get to the result. It's not so much the process yeah. anymore. And that's pretty much where education is. Education's the process of learning. It's that, that idea, that understanding that you, I don't know something, therefore I need to know something, therefore I need to do something in order to know something. Um, and education is that, but it's not moving as fast as this instant society is allowing us to. But I think process still is there. It's just a different process. Quicker. Quicker, but also in terms of the person, the yeah. human. So the process would be, how do I solve a problem? What's the process I go through to actually solve a problem? How do I end up with a workable solution? How do I know that what I'm looking at is accurate? So that's still a process you've got to work through. It's just a different process. And and how do you achieve that? So, for example, I said to some teachers the other day, what if your exam papers were the other way around, where you gave children the the answers. Mm -hmm. And the children had to come up with the questions. And, and 2,000 ran on 702. <laughs> and so you basically played Jeopardy with them. And, and <laughs> the higher, the, the, the higher, the more higher order thinking the question is, the more marks the child gets. So if it's just a straight knowledge yeah. and recall yeah. kind of question, oh, well, that's just easy. But if you've got to start getting children to think, how do you formulate a question? Because mm. if we want to solve a problem, we've got to know what the question is. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a great point. Uh, I mean, I think of my education, and, and I, I really am quite stupid. I had to do my trick twice because I failed off Afrikaans. But, you, you know, by and large, my education… Yeah, look, let, let's not go too far down the road there. But uh, <laughs> you've opened the door to Santa. I, I, I did. I, I, I really did. But but yeah, the point was, you know, my education was around the ability to learn by rote. Uh, I mean, that's what it was: Ge geography, maths. Well, maths was a bit more creative, but you know, geography, history, science. It was the ability to remember knowledge, mm. um, and and that hasn't really changed. And I and I think what fascinates me, and we we alluded to it slightly. And, and I'd love to understand what Google's vision is around, around education because as soon as you just take Wikipedia as a base of, of knowledge and you, you throw an AI algorithm in there that allows you to, to index that information, I don't have to learn the geography, the history. It's available at my fingertips. 
there's a whole different thought process here and how we teach children how to think, which I think is a great point. But what is Google's vision around education? Because uh, uh, as, as an influential company with, with the database and the cloud, et cetera, and, and the algorithms, wh- where do they see this going? So I think from, from an education space, Google has a, a suite of tools. And so it's not just one kind of aspect. And it's how the teachers can actually use those tools to enhance their teaching in a variety of ways. So Google has been doing workshops with teachers around 21st century learning, which is skills around problem solving, communication, and all those types of things. So they'd actually done some research with The Economist. Um, and these were the skills that businesses are saying that people need. Yeah. And so within that, Google is saying, well, here are tools that teachers can use to actually save them time where they can actually teach more and actually engage more with their students and things like admin and, um, things which were sort of cumbersome or difficult for teachers to do are made easier. So what kind of tools do they do? So for example, I'm just thinking as a normal user, Chrome, search, what other things do so, so Google for Education is like your uh, Google for Work, companies or okay. Google for Work. It offers a suite, and there's a really cool app within that space called Google Classroom. And Google Classroom is a space where teachers can put all their content that they want for the students to use, and then what um, the students can then see easily with what the content is. Um, teachers can see if students are working or on, on their work Uh they can mark it and send it back to their students really quickly and easily. So it's all within one space that really makes it effective for teachers. So many moons ago, um, when I used an online platform from a teaching point of view, the best thing was I never had to carry books home. Mm. So mm. Um, at that stage, I was only teaching boys. And instead of carrying crates and crates and crates mm. of books home, yeah. I could engage with the learners that same night um, they would get their marks, they would get their responses and they could feed back to you. And now if I take that, this has developed even so much more. So you engaging with your students. The other excuse with um, dogs eating your homework that can't happen anymore. I mean, that's so, an expensive homework. Uh, <laughs> my homework. My homework's been ransomed by Bitcoin. People. <laughs> Teacher, can I have two Bitcoin to get my homework, please? Yes, absolutely. So, so that will be futuristic problems teachers will have. Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> but so that that's that's the uh, idea then. Google's done a great idea at aggregating and actually storing a lot of information which we can determine to be knowledgeable or just completely crazy. Um, and for those of you that are just listening, we are the Futurology Show. Where have you been? It's hashtag Futurology. If you've got any questions on Twitter, tweet us up at cliffcentral.com, hashtag Futurology. Uh, you'll see all the handles flying around by us during the show and after the show. But we're tackling a topic called the future of knowledge. So yeah. we're going to touch on a number of topics around the future of knowledge, automated services and employment and education being one of them. But the subtitle of it is, are we a smarter society? Are we a smarter, wiser society? Mm. And what is the impact that this will have on our careers and society in the future? So one thing I'm just going to interject just to change the, the focus of this a bit is looking at how the connected world has allowed us to socially share fails. We've all seen fail armies. We've all had a good look. That's as easily findable, I'm going to discoverable. discoverable. Mm. Adjectives, anybody else? I don't know. Verbs? Not even Grammarly is going to help you. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm lost. See, this is this is the thing. We think we're smart because we have devices and we, we get complacent with the technology that enables us to think or appear to be smarter yeah. than we are. But it it as easily shows us crap 
we get to see fail army. We get to laugh at people and little ki- kittens falling off of fridges and all these things. <laughs> and you spend hours doing that. If we spent the same amount of human capital time researching the wealth of cognitive knowledge that the world sources us, we would be smarter. But so Google, as the big powerhouse search engine of the world is, you can you serve both of those. Are there strategic intents behind a company like Google and others that are saying, well, maybe education needs to be more of a key focus in serving things. So don't serve brands. Don't serve things. Serve education. Um, just a thought. I'm throwing that into the mix, and we all have points of views. Yeah. So, I was about to say, so like uh, – uh, so Google's got to be a bit careful around content and yes. how the content's and we're not we're not picking deployed. on Google at all. We're just very and, curious. And I, I like kind of where they're thinking around the collaborative elements. So providing tools that enable our kids and teachers to be able to collaborate at a much mm. faster pace, right? And that pace and being able to publish and get content online and scale that content, I think, it's really important. Mm. But you know. Uh, the internet and social is human interest driven, right? Yeah. yeah. So how do we make it really exciting as, um, so your Facebooks and Google are, are, are the access portals to this content. And I guess it's part of a content provider's role to make it so relevant and so exciting. And I, I think about this the whole time with my children and I go, you know, if my kids were this excited about PewDiePie, um, <laughs> on YouTube, Poor Felix what is happens gone now. if there's a PewDiePie yeah. as exciting? In the education space. And it's I, almost I, gamified. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an interesting little device here, your Sphero. And I don't know if anyone's played with a Sphero no. little ball that you kind of move it around and it does really cool things from your phone. But it, it looks like – is it Google that's doing this or is, what content provider is working on this, Karen? So what I was showing um, the guys earlier was that there's a thing now called coding with Chrome. Yes. So if we talk about children and getting them to think, one of the ways of teaching children to think logically and helping them is with different coding. So coding is the American term. We call it programming. And Go us. <laughs> Can we just coin it as software engineering? Sounds a lot sexier, right? Yeah. <laughs> you guys are dumber than us, man. <laughs> So the, the coding with Chrome now has a little section for robots, and it links with uh, Spheros or with the Legos EV3s or with MBots. And then the children can write little codes using block coding and then program these little devices to run around. And I think if we started introducing things like that where um, students can be engaged with things more actively, I think that's what yeah. should make learning Good really point, well. right? Mm. Internet of Things – in the education space. So you're mixing that kind of soft component into the real world so they can physically see the effect. Yeah, I think that's quite powerful. Yeah, I think children need to be able to relate why are we doing this? How does the real world relate Outcomes to what based. I'm doing? Yeah, and I, I think that's really, really that Im- works. important because yeah. why am I learning this? So, I mean, when you're doing maths, if you know, well, engineers need this to design bridges because otherwise the bridge is going to collapse. Um, so, therefore, you do need a basis of maths. Maybe mm. the kids would actually be more engaged, you know, especially yeah. those that, that aren't. And so, how do we actually make learning meaningful? But but it it raises a very important question for me because I, I remember watching a, a TED talk with Sal Khan, who founded mm. the Khan Academy, mm. and, yep. and he was saying how he's flipped the classroom. And and uh, what, the one thing that struck me quite, quite prevalently was that – no kid is bad at maths. There's yep. sections yeah. of maths that kids are bad. Yeah, I agree. And, and what, what he was doing, and they were doing some experiments in the States around this, is 
you, you go to school to do your homework. You go home and you, you watch the, the lessons online. You, you go into the Khan Academy and you watch the lessons. And the kids that are excelling in one area at maths, um, tutor the kids that are not doing too well in the other area and then vice versa in, in, in the respective areas. Uh, and what this says is that each one of us is a fundamentally different human being. We all have a different want, desire, and, mm-hmm. and really the outcomes of where we're getting to as, as human beings and, and, the, and the future of what kind of work that we will be doing means that we have to be educating in a very, very different way. And, and in fact, if, if, if I just extrapolate my thought process, I think matric is actually irrelevant, quite frankly, because it's a, it's a generic benchmark that says you know we can all pass the standard. But for some, it's, it's easier than others. And, and uh, it, it raises a very, very powerful question for me. You know, How soon should we be looking at these kids and streamlining them into the areas that they need to be going and, and, and allowing them to develop the skills that they really want to develop as opposed to have to? Because you know what? Trust me. Don't ask me to do Afrikaans. I cannot speak the language. And it's because I, I'm useless at languages. I can barely speak English. Uh, sure, Mike. You've really tapped onto a really interesting point there. So in businesses, we measure ourselves on that metric yeah. as a KPI or a personal 100%. development score that, that we're learning in business is the wrong way to, to, to motivate people and get the best out of people. And it's very difficult to design. And, you, and you're creating these inaccurate bars. So what you're suggesting here is that we need to take the same approach into the education Absolutely. space. Absolutely. Rethink how we measure success. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And, and what is success? Exactly. So, uh, exactly. So if I can solve a problem and I'm 12 years old and I can start a business, why shouldn't I be able to? Why do I have to move all the mm. way through the education ladder? And, and, and what is that ladder? Yeah. And do you actually need a ladder as in a <sighs> linear type mm, thing? Yeah, I want a triangle. And, and mm, yeah, yeah. Well, well, why not? And, and so how do we actually make big scalable systems yeah. in this kind of space? So the thinking is, is very different. Um, but how do we actually address the needs of the individual learner? And mm. for me, that's where I think technology also plays a role. Yeah. So never before have you been able to create individual learning more easily than you can do now. So if I totally. think when I first started teaching yep. as a teacher, if you had your 30 little children in the class you, and you had to divide them into groups, it took weeks. Mm. Whereas now you could use technology to assist you and you can very quickly and easily see who needs instant Assessment, I mean, assistance and who can carry on on their own and carry on working on the task because they've grasped it and they can move on. Yeah. So we could use technology to really change the way we work without really big changes. What's the barrier to, to enabling that? Because you see these incredible solutions, but we don't see it getting implemented the on adoption, the ground. Right? Yeah. We don't see the adoption. But it's the same thing in big business again. Adopting exactly. is really difficult. Yeah. But there's a lot of, um, the the focus i think is is sometimes wrong from legacy fundamental schooling it's what is the what is the objective of education it's it's like when we invented the stove we weren't just trying to see if we could make something hot we're trying to use it so we could cook something. We're trying yep. to boil water. Ooh, there was hot. No, no, yeah. it's not hot enough. No, exactly. But that was one of my first lessons that I ever remember learning in my human existence was what, what, I was told was? that plate is going to burn you if you touch it. Yes. And I was like, no, mum, I don't believe you. And hand on plate, I now, lo- I now know. Yeah. And that brings us to the, the definition of knowledge versus wisdom. So I've got a, a really interesting quote here, which I just want to throw into the mix because it is, there is a, a very big difference. So in a, Website called philosophy.com. They say that 
Knowledge is the accumulation say of that, facts. Say that three times quick. Philosophy, philosophy, philosophy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the dot com would have, would have killed me though. Uh, knowledge is the accumulation of facts of, and information. Wisdom is the synthesis of knowledge and experiences into insights that deepens, that deepen one's understanding of relationships and the meaning of life. In other words, knowledge is a tool. And wisdom is the craft in which the tool is used. Exactly. I have yeah. to mute myself. I, I cannot contribute. Yeah, like, that is, that was, statements. that was amazing. I don't feel that I'm ever going to add value like that before. It was just cut because it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I do have something to add on top of that. Have you got some more to quote there? No, no, that's, because that was enough. <laughs> because you, you know what? The first power that comes out of that is the ability to understand. Yes. Yeah. You know, we've got the knowledge. If we can synthesize Wikipedia, Throw AI on and we can now, I mean, think about it. If I can sum, if I can sum the total of, of knowledge of, of law, uh, there's, there's some pictures going around here just on, on, so, on knowledge, but the knowledge know, of law, yes, the knowledge of law, the, the power that we need then is, is not knowledge. It's mm. understanding, mm. which translates into mm. wisdom. Practical. Cause you know what? I also put my hand on the stove as a kid. Yes. I have to be honest. Well, there's, there's this wonderful quote uh, for knowledge and wisdom that's maybe a little bit less verbose and it's knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit wisdom is knowing not to put it on a salad or fruit salad <laughs> sorry it's not a fruit salad so just because we know it's a fruit doesn't mean it makes its way into our fruit salad but then if we threw a curveball why not well that's exactly what the world does so rock and roll karen walster at the at, at the at the pitching mound go for it yeah, so I mean, I think that often we're thrown into stereotypes and made to think in certain ways. And why should we not be thinking out the box? Why should we not be encouraging, um, well, anybody, but particularly within schools, children to think differently? That's exactly Why right. are children not asked to ask questions rather than just to be told? And I think that's where the change mm. happens mm. And, and encouraging them to, to think differently. I mean, we, we sit on this kind of space where, yes, we've got, we've got knowledge, but how do we actually use it? Exactly. Now, yeah. there's, if you've just joined the show and this is interesting you and you're a teacher or you're trying to mold young minds at homeschool or wherever it is you're trying to do it. Or you're a parent. Or you're just trying to get smarter yourself. Um, then <laughs> Mike, listen in. We're halfway through the show and we are talking about the future of knowledge. Um, the, you threw me off. Thank you. <laughs> I was clear. just thinking about Squirrels Mike's Rock, was, except for when was, you're derailing trains of thought. Yeah. I was thinking about Mike, both of you putting your hand on the stove, and what I suddenly thought was... You were the guy that turned the stove on. No, but imagine President Bush when he sees a red button in the nuclear tower. <laughs> President, press. President, I mean, Trump. Trump. President Trump. President Trump, yeah. 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 If President Bush comes back, heaven help us all. <laughs> That'll be amazing. I uh, know. But yeah, so if you are here, there are there's a ton of um, resources, and that's kind of what we, I'm getting to, is that we have this amazing amount of stories knowledge that we that we have the big thing is access to it now there's access that we can discover or we can be told about but think of yourself as a 13 year old student mm. i'm going to go into the internet and because i know the internet is a place for facebook and social media and snapchat or wherever else i'm going to do my first thought is not i'm going to see what wikipedia said today i'm going to go and find out if carol dweck has a new ted talk which by the way she does and carol Dweck is a fantastic education professor who says the power of yet. And she doesn't mark students as failing. She says, you haven't got it right yet. Mm. Give them the opportunity to strive for continuous improvement, which is essentially the culture of innovation. Mm -hmm. Correct. So 
there are plenty of resources, and we know them because we have researched for the show, surprisingly, and we did our homework, and we went and we've done some stuff. But there are these amazing resources. How do we work as a social responsibility or as a society of responsible people to drive the rest of us to that space? I'm going to stop now because I've thrown enough into the thing. And Karen, that's your question. How do we stop people watching? Here's the question. Sure, how, Mike and I are both going to How do we stop out of that no, shitting dog stares in the corner here? Come on, guys. I, I need to go. Karen, how do we stop people watching Fail Army, which is still fun and there is a time and a place for it, and start watching things like TED Talks or searching things like TED Talks or being served classroom.google.com? But doesn't it start at home? Doesn't it? So, 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 so if you, if you think of, of your own families and your children and how are you encouraging them to think? Mm. So if you're saying the world is changing and we need our children to ch- cope with change, don't we start with that within our yeah. own homes? So how do we teach children to be responsible citizens that are still thinking, creative, problem mm. solving within their home spaces? Because I think that's your first step. Yeah. And what mm. do they, they talk about your first 1000 days or the most important days yeah. in your child's yeah. life. Ah, so, if so, only, if, but if only half the parents on the planet had the Google knowledge to find that advice, again, it's this vicious circle. But is it? I, I was but just about it, to say. But it. isn't it a societal thing? Yes. So, I mean, if we talk about Ubuntu and, and working together with, within yeah. the society, is that if we talk about family as, as a big unit and not mm. just – um, singular family Not structures. your close little yeah. home unit. So, so how do we actually help each other? I, I think there are two streams that happen here. And, and I think it's very easy to, to, to see how we get lost on Facebook and spend half an hour mindlessly scrolling through it, which is why I've taken it off my phone because it's too easy. But I think mm-hmm. the other side of the equation, you know, a pendulum swings equally both ways. We don't That's see. Good. Yeah, it was very good. Hey? Hashtag it. Hashtag it. <laughs> but but what we don't often see are, are the incredible things that are actually happening. Mm. You know the 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 evolution of of our education, how it's changing. Yes. But I think also, and and yes, man, this this frustrates me because I haven't stopped thinking about this. I haven't done any week for the work for the last week. But I'm I'm also not sure that technically. We're, we're, we're where we need to be, mm-hmm. you know, because it's very easy to say, let's go onto Wikipedia and are we excited about what's on the top end of Wikipedia? But I, I, I think we're going through this massive transition that still needs to evolve to, to a final outcome or into a more structured outcome. And I think when those structures start falling into place, I, I think we'll start seeing where, where the other side of the pendulum is swinging to. Yeah, so I mean, if we think about structures and the way schools are working, I mean, there are some amazing teachers at amazing schools. And it goes back to the statement earlier about how do we make a change? And I think things don't change because of the individuals in the classroom. So when a a teacher's classroom door closes, no matter how much training and things have happened, you can have a really old school classroom or you can have an amazing classroom depending on the individual. So it's how do we show teachers just within the system to use the technologies, to use the things around them, to inspire them so that they can see, hey, I don't have to be scared. I don't have to be afraid. So removing that fear so that you can actually start changing the structure within. Guys, I keep hearing the word change again. Change. Change. We hear it in business. We hear it in education. And part of me is kind of thinking, imagine if we had to rethink the the way we structure content in the education space where we have yep. chemistry and yep. life or oh, uh, yes. whatever. And we actually had a change class or yes. something. Yeah. Forget life orientation, how do you, how, how life adaptation. Yeah. 
yes. You know, totally. Help people. Like I often yeah. think about, I guess, when we were educated, being taught how to learn. Mm. I think kids are better taught how to learn these days. We should be taught how to change. So I used to teach the most amazing subject that has slowly disappeared called design and technology. And the whole oh, purpose was to get people to think. And so you did structures and mechanisms and systems and impact of technology on society. And for me, that's exactly what you're saying, yeah. um, Brett, where it's, where it's looking at all the different areas and how you relate it to life and how you make learning meaningful. Because you took a situation, you had to solve the problem, you had to use different um, technologies to solve that problem. Your technologies like we think of as in terms of IT and those kinds of, were just another tool that you use to help do that. And I think that's what school is. Yeah. Just can, can I ask you a question? Um, I, I was asking my brothers uh, uh, down, down on, on uh, over the Christmas holidays because the kids seem to be getting more A's than when we were at school. Uh, and and do, do you have an answer to that? Are these kids being taught better? Have things become easier? Who knows? Or, okay. Because I, I, I couldn't get to the bottom of it, and they just said, no, the education process is a lot better. I do question if it's relevant, but they, they just seem to be doing a, a And I think ways. it differs from school to school and individual to individual, and who knows? Okay. All right. Yeah. So just well, – what- Sinclair, yes. So I keep thinking. So we're thinking about how we're scoring people and the metric and and people changing how they're working. <laughs> but how about we raise this bar? Yeah. How about imagine if we had to uh, set the bar of an A to be three times higher than anywhere else in the world? That would make it at least fifty percent <laughs> in this country. But why do we need an A? So there what? We go. What is an A? There we go. Yes. There we go. Standardized testing Correct. is crap. But, but there an, we go. An a, a in the that. circumstance yep. that we're talking about. Like, so I'm always looking at, so you've always got to improve, right? So you've got mm-hmm. to define what you want to improve. But what if you define? So exactly yes. what you've said. Why, do, why does it need to be somebody else who's defining for you? Boom. So Boom, love it. Here's, a, here's another horrible topic to throw in. But do you think that educators act as a regulatory regime of fundamentalists who control the rate of change and transfer of Information, or do you think that traditional education has been obsolete for years, but has just not been able to adapt quick enough to the change? Don't you think it depends on the school? I do think it depends on the school, but when you look at society, it's the vast majority that determine the the path we take. So, so is it the education department, or is it society sort of deciding for the education department? So, if the education department came in with a radical kind of change, mm. how would society react? And and maybe it's a really mixed conglomeration of all of that. Yeah, feels like you're getting all this from Wikipedia. No, I'm not. That was me. Jeez, (laughs) that was all me. It came out. But uh, is the show getting smarter as we go? I hope so. I really do. I'm I'm actually convinced that my cranium is changing shape while we talk. (laughs) But we talk so much about the huge advancement in technology through innovation and open source. Ability and access to things And look how well we've done So educated people that are not in a system yeah. Or institution of any sort of learning Have gone into an open source world Where they have access, importantly yeah. And they've got collaboration to other humans Now we've come leaps and bounds But yet we've left The traditional institution of education And schooling behind And I do actually have a really good Before you interject Brett Sinclair I'm going to ask There's Albert Einstein said Wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of the lifelong attempt to acquire it. Yeah. 
So such a process is lengthy and arduous, which teaches the pursuer patience and humility. Seldom is a person unchanged by such trial. When one finally uncovers a connection of insight or insight, he or she believes to be universally applicable truth. Sorry, but basically the striving for information, the achieving and the, reta- the attaining of that mm. information makes it so much more valuable to the person that they're actually able to use it again. So interestingly enough, the, from the education department point of view, they have um, sort of a focus on lifelong learning. And, and it's saying, how are we well are we achieving that? Yes. So how are we encouraging children, teachers, society to be continual lifelong mm-hmm. learners? Mm-hmm. Because that's what we're really doing all the time. You, you, you know what the problem uh, with this is? And I, I was actually uh, watching a TED talk on this about the, the brain and, yeah. and the plasticity of our ability oh, to adapt. Yeah. And yeah. It, it comes, it comes to the environment that we, we live in. Hashtag uh, it. Hashtag <laughs> it. <laughs> Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it all comes down to the environment. And, and this is a very, very difficult thing for, for most South Africans, the environments that we're living in and the trying and testing conditions which we do live in. Because it comes down to our ability to, to redefine what are fundamentally bad habits that we've learned and turning them into good habits. Because yep. as we grow older, our brains don't become more fixed and rigid. We just stop trying to change ourselves. We stop trying to, 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 to push ourselves beyond yep. the boundaries. Um, but it's an environmental thing. And it, you know, it's like, you know, you banks want to stop people losing credit cards as you, or, or debit cards as you take them out the machines. Whose banks? The, you know, those, those, those. Just banks. Of, just banks in general. But you know what? Instead of, instead of giving the person money first, you, you make them take their card out first so that they don't, Lose the car. It did help. Yep. It did help. It really did help. It was well, the other way the around. Everyone walked off with the money. Exactly. The car, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so it becomes an environmental thing, which is a massive player in terms of our education. So, so, mm. uh, you know, what, what your, your quote about is it the schooling system? I think it has a huge impact on the environment. And, and the and same the with the learning. fail and the, and the yet. Mm. So, I mean, the neuroscientists tell us that if you actually say to yourself, no, I can't do this, your brain actually stops yes. thinking about that problem yes. and actually moves on. Mm. So if we've said to a child, oh, you failed. Yes. What are they going to think? A result I can't now. do this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you say to them, come on, it's a yet. It's tough How, because it's tough. Yes, just do it yeah. and find the answer. We'll probably have much more accept, um, success. So how do we change it? Accepting failure, right? Yes. Well, failure so, is the definition fast. of success. It's correct. Yeah. We've got to get into that habit of failing very, 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 very quickly. Yeah. But no. fa- failure is not the end. No. And I think that's, that's kind of what failure, standardized right? testing allows people to con- think that the idea of failure is the end. Yeah. Where it really is just an opportunity to look for a different way of doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Can I create another hashtag? Failure is the sure, definition of success. What? You oh. said again? Failure. Failure is the definition of success. Yes. Are you tweeting these things, Michael? No, I'm not. Michael, I'm, t- I'm too busy Can thinking tweet about them. Okay. <laughs> for those of you that are listening, if you if you want to jump onto the Twitter wagon and uh, throw in some of these hashtags, you can own it before Michael Khan because he's saying these great things, but he hasn't learned that if you type it first, you <laughs> own it forever. You, you know what we're going to do is we're going to push all of these this 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 verbal stuff into the Google Cloud, translate it from. Voice to text, and off we go. Welcome to Futurology Show, the open source education platform of Cliff Central. There we go. Well, so, just, just talking about <laughs> tweeting it right now. Just talking about voice. Have any of you played with the voice typing in Google Docs? So go and have a play within that. So it yes. actually will type at the speed that you're speaking. So maybe we could get Twitter to do the same and you could t- talk your hashtag. But you, I used to do that in Varsity. I was the guy in the back of the room yeah. who could type fast. So all my mates used to take all my notes. So I challenged myself to type as fast as he spoke. No, I, I was too stupid. Come on, Google, catch up. I, I'm <laughs> kidding. 
But I, you don't need Google Docs for this here, because hey? I, I talk to Siri every morning and I dictate my emails that I need to get out this for the day. This is true. This is true. <laughs> so, but it has become a lot simpler. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> I have figured I'd just so own everything that Mike said by saying <laughs> hashtag what Mike said. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Oh, Isn't the hour up yet? No. So we still have 22 minutes to go. And I think what we should start doing is let's, let's do the bold thing and start predicting or forecasting where to from here. Do you think that we're in a position where education should be restricted or focused through legacy understanding of institutional schooling? Um, is there a, a way that we can get a structured education made available to many so that everybody can access it? We talk about universal basic income. Screw that. Universal basic education. Yeah. You should, it doesn't matter where you are, what you do. We've got to the point where this digital divide is a digital abyss. And we've got to the point as well where connected society is a necessity, not yes. a luxury. You shouldn't have to be in the high LSMs of the world in order to achieve better education. Um, and we're all worried about automation stealing our jobs. Let's teach people to have critical thinking. Yeah, I, I, I quite agree. I think that's that's the critical skill that needs to come into the future. And I think also from a technology perspective, this is we, – we're still in the infancy of this um, – you know, if we look at varsity education and, and what we need to do, the fees must fall. Um, school education, uh, I, I think there's going to be radical transformation. I honestly don't think when my son gets to matric in, in five or six years' time that matric is actually going to be what it needs to be. Um, it's going to be irrelevant. But I think technology, when we combine the ability to index information, to hyperlink information, and then apply AI thinking where I can query that, yeah. It's going to redefine how things, but you can only achieve that with critical thinking. And I think that's the foundation and these massive online education courses, mind blowing. The only problem is, of course, it, it takes away from the quality of the human experience because, you know, I was at Vits, but geez, I love that uh, pub that I spent most of my nights <laughs> in. You know? So, so there, there's got to be a balance to this equation. So, yeah. That pub it, resulted in me not getting my degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag beer makes me cleverer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, going into, I mean, there are, there are great opportunities for knowledge storing. There's great opportunities for automation and artificial intelligence. I think it's very important that context and experience play a huge role in shaping yes. how that is ad adapted into society in the future. I think. Yep. Uh, if you guys agree, great. If you don't, please. So burn, burn the whole place down. <laughs> so imagine if if your um, AI could actually assist with more personalized learning. So if you've written an assessment and it can work out exactly where there perhaps are gaps in your knowledge mm. or mm. what you're trying to solve, and it actually then says to you, okay, how can I help you to – to work this out. So not making you more stupid for want of better words, because it's a machine, but rather um, making you think more and mm. making you more creative. So how can we develop that kind of technology? So, yeah. so that it actually assists us and doesn't replace us. Yeah. And, and I think that's what, what could be developed in terms of, of machine learning. Yeah. In, um, Thomas Frey, he's a futurist in uh, the Da Vinci Institute in the States. Mm. Uh, he wrote an article I think we've all shared on LinkedIn some, somewhere, which is by 2030, the largest company on the Internet will be an online school. Yes. And the idea of this open education is fantastic. He's written a separate article where he talks about 
the use of AI and this uh, collaborative knowledge all in one place, but to look back at how we store our historical mm. information. Imagine if we could have Abraham Lincoln on a hard drive somewhere, and he was able, actually able to take that AI that is his, put it into context of today, and allow him to try and solve some of these problems. Essentially, what will happen is that we'll completely replace all politicians with bots. <laughs> but, but the idea that we, we have all of this information, but yet we do not apply it over and over again to today because but it seems to be there. Apply. A- so, so, so it is. It's application and, again, taking what's appropriate for that particular instance. Hmm. I think that's uh, what's important. I have to admit what's running through my head is when I get to this weekend, I'm going to set a bunch of tasks yeah, and that need to, to be solved around the house. And challenge my children to solve this. And yes. not necessarily with traditional technology. Correct. No. Here's a hammer. Correct. <laughs> can't find a hammer? Here's a brick. And here's an Apple MacBook. Go. <laughs> Do not sort the flies with the iPad. Come on. So the way, the way I said with automation, AI, bots, all this idea that we're seeing the renaissance of today is – it seems like humanity has discovered fire again. What we need to do now is discover how to apply said fire to things that we need. Mm-hmm. No, we need to discover how not to burn ourselves with that fire. Mm. And I think it's okay because failing is learning. Correct. Yeah. Ouch. I learned. <laughs> Hopefully you don't need to learn more than once. <laughs> Just learn quickly. Learn quickly. So let's take that UBI concept. Yeah, so UBI, Universal Basic Income. Basic Income. And, and sorry, Elon Musk has had a lot to say about geez, it. Jesus, had a lot yeah. in recent yeah. articles, right? Yeah. Um, I just want to apply it to the education space. And we, we kind of dropped some hints early on. Imagine if we could take that kind of thinking and say, um, let's pay you to do education. So the more that you learn, the more that you earn. And you know what? If you want to create this lifetime uh, career of always learning, but you'll always get paid in some kind of form of income. Mm. So that becomes your currency, what you're learning. But is it money? I mean, just with what you've said, I suddenly thought, isn't that what was happening in the Middle Ages? Where children could, well, sometimes they didn't have a choice, but they went into different crafts and skills. And sometimes they even changed. Isn't isn't that course, yeah, something we, we, teaching just, people to earn money, right? Yeah. That's kind of our end objective. I, 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 not I, money. Not uh, money. Yeah. I don't think that money is the answer to the future. I really think that we're talking universal basic income. It should be universal basic opportunity. Yeah. Give everybody opportunity to do something. It's not yeah. about – all we want to do is take the base level Maslow hierarchy of needs and just say, I want a roof over my head. I want to put food on that's my table. Awesome. Yep. If money is the vehicle that we've created as humanity, then that's what we're going to s- – Go after. If it becomes the byproduct of something we're after, let money be the byproduct of something we do that is impactful. So we were WhatsApping this discussion, yes. right? And uh, I think it was you, Mike, that kind of started touching on it reinvents the financial institutions. It's it, it, kind of break that thought out a bit because, well, you know, if you're taking money and we're putting it in a very secondary position. For sure. Absolutely. What is the impact there? I mean, well, well you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, – uh, you, you know, you, I, I don't want to get too futuristic because none of us really on know. The futurology show, don't on, you on dare. The futurology show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, uh, my, my mouth full of teeth now. <laughs> Hashtag that one. Um, but, 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 you know, we, we live in a capitalistic society that is yeah. based around con- consuming. Yes. And, and if we look at where fundamental change has to happen when we start automating, we have um, things like the, the blockchain that enables a lot of things mm. to happen, the transfer of value. We effectively will move from an economy of consumption 
to an economy of value mm-hmm. and, and things that actually contribute to our lives in a more fundamental and meaningful sense than, mm. oh, I've bought a new um, car and I feel quite status-driven by mm. it. And that's the fundamental essence of what needs to change because we cannot continue the way we're going if we look at climate change, we look yeah. at resources. And, and, and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a critical thought process that needs to happen. And with that will come massive, massive sweeping changes. And Brett's jumping up and down. I'm so jumping up and down. I have, I've figured out the paradox that is money that breaks the society. So we're going to hear it here first. Hopefully I get it right. But there are currently automation replacing mid-level jobs. So the mundane tasks of mid-level workers are being replaced by bots or automated services. There are also educated people that are very educated that are not getting jobs, that want jobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, they want jobs so that they can get money. Google recently had a whole bunch of people that they paid a ton of money to to do self-driving, self-driving thing cars. that left the job they had because they got too much money. So there are people with no money wanting all the jobs, and there are people with too much money leaving their jobs. That doesn't make sense. Is it about jobs? It's not, it's not about jobs. It's not about money. It's about actually finding an outcome that fixes a need. Fulfillment. Yeah, I, I think with what application. Yeah, it is application, but isn't it self sort of self fulfilling that that you want to do what you're doing? No, and, absolutely. And, and the other thing is, why are we looking for a job? Why can't I create the job? So, so we're living in a society where we're saying, "I'm going to get a degree, and somebody's going to give me a job." Yes. Why are we not creating a society where I can actually create the job? Yeah. I, I think it's a very good point because if we look at what products were, they're all becoming services. Yes. You know, a car was a product and now we have Uber, Lyft, etc. We, we're moving to, you know, transport as a service. And, and this, this, this idea of what work will become is fundamentally different, which I think comes mm. back to the initial point that I made earlier about we need to be educating individuals about mm-hmm. who they are as individuals around a sense of well-being and, and, and meaning. The you impact know, one person can make on many. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And when, Just when, by solving the right problem, right? No, by doing something that is meaningful and p- that has a lot of value to me intrinsically as a human being. Yeah. The value that I would create in the broader society is, is far greater than the solving one individual's problem. No, no. Customers' problems. Yes, of course. So yes, you're solving the problem of many. Yes. That's fulfilling uh, uh, Absolutely. And and absolutely. that generates the revenue. You're earning the quality of the experience, a hundred percent. Absolutely, so it comes back to that. Should we be building a society of entrepreneurs? I don't think we need to worry about building it. I think necessity is going to dictate that. That's the yeah. nature of. I think it's a great answer. So I think you're building a society of problem solvers and creative thinkers. That's what we need. I want so, to raise wow. things. Every, sorry, everybody, everybody shouts at me sometimes for being a parent and says, she's only three, she's only four, but I'm not raising a three-year-old because next year I'll be raising a four-year-old. I'm actually raising a contributing human to society later in life. Yes. Yeah, and raise an arsehole, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to raise somebody I want to have fun with later yeah. in life and actually have a good conversation with. And that's the idea. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're three or 33, mm-hmm. you need to be going through a path in how do you contribute to society? What do you do that is meaningful? Yes. Yes. And it, this, this, unfortunately, the selfie generation, the millenniums, how is that going to affect? I mean, we're letting them run rampant at the moment. And it's amazing because there's a wealth of knowledge and perspective mm. to, to grab in there. But it needs to be harnessed. I think that needs to be focused. And I think their experiences are going to dictate more than their knowledge.
at this point. I, I, I think that's going to be solved when the shit hits the wall because they're going to have to suddenly grow up and be responsible. So are you, are you predicting shit hitting the wall? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, change brings chaos. Well, you mean ca- you, chaos, yeah. opportunity amidst all the chaos. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And, and with that will come tremendous pain, but tremendous opportunity. And suddenly, you know, when these kids are, 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 are don't have to take any responsibility and they suddenly have to be parents and have to suddenly pay for school fees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life changes quite dramatically. It really does. So it's not going to be comfortable, but it will be. Hundred percent. It will be good. It will be good. Of course, it will be. Oh, we live in a society with unlimited opportunities. Then, totally. I mean, that's crazy exciting. And then, no one should not have a job mm-hmm. because there's so many problems for us to solve. Exactly, and it comes back to solving human problems. Okay. So you are still with us on the Futurology Show here on Cliff Central. We are talking the future of wisdom, knowledge, and education, and everything else in between. And we thank you for sticking around with us for 50 minutes. That is amazing. We are going to be talking more about these things in the future episodes of the Futurology Show. We do have Mrs. Karen Wallstra. Sorry, I didn't get that one right before the show started. (laughs) Education comes from asking questions. (laughs) So thank you for joining us today. Oh, pleasure. Um, We do have 10 minutes left. And we can either go down, here's the choice, we can either go down the road of what would the world be like today or tomorrow if Google never existed, just saying. Uh, th- then it's Yahoo. No, no, no. Let's say, <laughs> let's say search engines weren't around, okay? Yeah. Or we could just say, well, based on where we are and where we're going, where do we foresee ourselves actually? Where do you see us going? And I'm going to let Karen, you're going to start this one. Where do you see us 5, 10, 50 years from now? I think that's a really interesting kind of concept in terms of how we are going to change. And I think in some ways we allow the technology to change us, but I think the power is in our hands. So how much will the individuals be different? So will we have societies which are completely offline and are refusing to use any form of technology where some other groups of people are completely immersed and have almost become human robots? And then maybe in the middle you have some in between Mm. who won't be extreme in either instance. And I think we're at a space in sort of society now where we can make a choice. And how do we use the technology to our advantage but not let it absorb us and just Mm. take over? Um, And I think within an education space, it can be really, really meaningful from that point of view. So how do we use technology in the schools in the future so that we're still encouraging the learning, the thinking, the individual um, kind of initiative? Or are we going to go down the route where we become so standardized that the children we put out are even more robotic than they are in some of the instances today? And in some ways, that's quite scary. And so where are we going to put the space is who knows. But I think as individuals, we have a choice. Mm. And I think as individuals, we can see where it might go. And so if we start saying that Everybody should become a problem solver and everybody should start be thinking, how can I create jobs for myself or how can I see opportunities Mm. that I could then grow? That would be very different to where we're all writing standardized tests and all having to say, yes, I've failed or yes, I've passed or yes, I've got the A or no, I've got the F. Um, So I think it it could be very varied, Mm. but I think it goes back to the individual. Mm. Where am I? How can I change that? You think it's important to enable the individual, uh, empower the individual rather than enable the individual? Very much so. I think, and I think we don't do that enough. So Empowering. you talking about your little three-year-old, mm. how do we empower the young child? So for me, there's, there's a chap, 
um, by the name of Ken Robinson, professor. Yes, yes, I just yeah. Changing love, the paradigms of education. Yes. So, so Ken Robinson is just amazing in terms of, of how he's challenged the system. Because for years we've known that sort of by the time the child, children get to grade two or three, they've lost about, I think if I remember correctly, it's about 60% of their creativity from sure. before they went into school. Yep. Just, and that's only a few years. What is happening by the time they yeah. get to matric? And so how are we changing that paradigm? And that goes back to the teacher in the classroom because you have amazing teachers who are sparking creativity yeah. and you have others who perhaps from their own fear are cutting that out. And the same then with technology and how you're using it. And so it goes back to, for me, the individual, the individual teacher, the individual parent, mm. the, the child, how you're empowering the child, how you're allowing them to think mm. to grow. Some practical advice that you give to some of the schools that you maybe chat to? I think from a teacher's point of view, it's okay not to know. So so from from a teacher's point of view, I remember when I was teaching the boys and, and saying things, or the children, and saying, okay, I'm not sure. Help me find. Mm. Or mm. what's the solution? Mm. You don't have to know all the answers. They, you just need to guide them to it. Yes. And, and they can – and. By saying that, it actually makes them sort of more curious. Though you don't know, like how can we do this? And then, and then the other kind of thinking is, it's okay to make mistakes as a teacher. Yeah, and yes. it's okay to say that I've made a mistake. Yeah, and then allowing children to be themselves. So, mm. yes, allowing time when they're doing sort of mischievous things. Mm-hmm. But also not inc- allowing them to sit for a whole hour. I exactly. mean, the neuroscientists also tell us every 20 yeah. minutes we should be moving around. Yes. So um, if we want to be thinking sort of effectively. So having different kinds of classrooms. So, I mean, there's some schools doing amazing learning spaces now. So if we've still got classrooms with desks and chairs, why are they all in rows? Should we be doing mm. standardized mm. testing? And almost starting to say within the school, how do we question ourselves? How do we, how do we question the school system? Because I think even within a system, even within um, a, a, a traditional school, the change starts within the school. It's not necessarily a top-down thing. You have yeah. amazing government schools mm-hmm. who are still following the same curriculum but doing incredible stuff. So again, mm-hmm. it goes back to the individuals in that space. Okay. If anybody wants to follow you at Karen underscore Wallstra. No, my for Twitter. Yeah. For Twitter, or it's what's just, the best way to? So Twitter for me is the best, and it's just at Karen Wallstra. At Karen Wallstra. Yep. Okay. And any other ways that teachers, schools could reach out to Google? What's the best way to get in touch with Google? So go to Google for Education, mm-hmm. um, and. All the information is there. There's free training. There's information about the tools and the products, and that's the best space to go and look at over there. Excellent. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time. Brett Sinclair, you got some thoughts on the end well, of the I'm show? Well, Karen, uh, like I, I remember now why I love working with you. I mean, that was incredible. So the, the kind of thought that's sitting with me in the next 20, 30 years is I'm hoping to live out my childhood dream. Uh, sitting on my PlayStation, um, shooting robots as we fight a war of Skynet and Singularity. Uh, Can't wait. I think it's going to be absolutely yeah. fabulous. And then you look up really the device and realize uh, it's real. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Cowan. Um, I, I think this is just a fascinating conversation. Yeah. And Karen, yeah. thank you. I think you summed it up beautifully. And uh, you know what? With all the trouble, mm. I'm excited for my children's education. Yes. I, I truly am. 
You know? Yeah, I, I really should be. Um, so, yeah. I think Excellent. there's a long way to go. For sure. I, I, I think it's an exciting path. Excellent. So this has been the Futurology Show. We have been talking about the future of knowledge. We have touched on wisdom, automation, artificial intelligence, bots, everything you could think of, and specifically the education space. Our guest today has been Karen Walster from Google, uh, head of Google uh, Education, head of Google Education, somewhere around there. <laughs> Find her LinkedIn profile. She's someone you need to know if you don't know already. Uh, Brett Sinclair, adios, squirrels rock. Cheers. Thank you. Been great. Excellent. And until next time, hashtag the future is coming. Catch you guys later. Cliffcentral.com.